Hello and welcome everybody to the Melomancy Podcast, episode 74. My name is Dylan. Rick, when we last left our heroes, mm-hmm. the victim had to travel far away to slay a dragon. Or something. Or something. So, uh, Victim is away, and he will be joining us when he can, uh, but today's episode, you just got the two of us, and you know what? That's fine. We were supposed to record last week, but, oh, uh, hold on. Today is August 17th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, <laughs> you know, I always find the year of our Lord so much funnier that you say it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, it, it just because it's like a... Like, anytime somebody who's not religious says anything religious, it's always humorous. Even if they're trying to be mocking. (laughs) I I hope you find it funny, because I am trying to be funny when I say it. Uh, Not in a disrespectful way, but in a, like, I don't know. Well, that is is one of the few things that I'm just like, but why? When when, uh, we were like, oh, no, no, we need to change BC and uh, AD to, well, BC meaning something there, BCE and uh, uh, CE. I think it stood for before Christ and the AD stand for Anno Dominium? So the after death is good enough. So (laughs) BC and AD, they were in Latin originally. Uh You know, that thing that just, like, everything from before, like, the 1950s mm-hmm. seems to be in. I, I know I'm, parapher- you know, making that shit up. But it does feel like everything important was Latin. Right. And so, yes, I understand that it's probably not exactly accurate, no matter what. But it's just weird that we're going to rename it and then still use it. Fair. Fair. Like, like if BC, if we're like, uh, you know what? CE starts in 2000. Yeah, 2000 is now year one or zero, however you want to cut it. Mm-hmm. That would have been perfectly acceptable. You know, the, shit, they do this in anime all the time when they're like, oh, you know, a new leader comes into power. Suddenly it's year one. It's like, that, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, they do Famous. it in Gundam. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do it in Gundam. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Gundam, at least they... Well, other than the UC timeline, it's to differentiate the timelines. So we're not like, why isn't, you know, why isn't the Wing Gundam fighting the Gundam? Mm. You know, I think think my favorite use of the the non-religious people uh, saying religious things, either to be humorous or mocking or otherwise, is uh, when someone says something really fucking stupid and they and someone else just turns and looks at them and says, my brother in Christ. (laughs) That's a good one. That cracks Um, me up every time. (laughs) Yeah, having <laughs> having gone to a couple of masses, uh, whenever I hear mass speak, uh, like, uh, you know, and somebody says something, and they're like, and also with you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I get that joke. It's like, I get it now. <laughs> ah. uh, anyway, anyway, so today is August 17th in the year of our Lord 2023. We were supposed to record last week on Thursday night, but I was like, hey, guys, um... I really want to make our show live again, um, but not using the same tech. I wanted to look into something that I think is pretty big, right? Uh, and dear listener, I'm going to tell you all about it in just a minute. Uh, but what ended oh, up good, happening was... I want to know too. Right. So what ended up happening is I sat down, got all my tabs open. I was getting ready to, to jump in and do the thing. And uh, I got paged at work. And I ended up having to work until like midnight. So 
struggle is real when you uh, work from home and you're on call. So uh, <laughs> that just didn't happen. Yeah, like it happens. And, you know, you had other things that were distracting you, too. Right. I'll get into that as well, uh, because by the time I was done with that call, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this other thing instead. <laughs> More on that in a minute. But let me let me tell you about the streaming thing. So, yes, um, in our outros, uh, in our podcast, where I remind you that, hey, this is a value for value production. You should stream Satoshi's get a modern podcasting app. If you don't know what those things are. Look it up, uh, but. So in the podcasting 2.0 space, right, there's been not a schism, like an evolution, right? So the direction that everything was going before was adoption of ActivityPub. And th this was mostly like thanks to Adam Curry, who in, who's, he not only did he invent podcasting, he's in charge of podcasting 2.0, right? Because he's a really good dude. It's his podcasting. It's his life's work. The entire ecosystem is thanks to him and uh, several important people that he'll remind you every time it comes up uh mattered just as much as he did but he's the guy that gets all the credit right so adam curry that guy right he's the host of many podcasts I, his most popular active show at the moment is the no agenda show if you've heard of that so um he has a, a couple of mastodon servers there's no agenda social which was made for that particular show and its audience and um podcast index.social and he and adam jones who is his like head like smart technology man uh in the podcasting 2.0 like business right because it's like a company of two people where they have a big database of all the podcasts uh that is free and independent of itunes and all that stuff and the the main uh the main product i'll say that they produced as part of podcasting 2.0 was extending rss so if you don't have an rss feed uh, I'm sorry, but you're not a podcaster. I don't care if you're Joe Rogan. You are not a podcaster. You have a you're a content creator for Spotify, right? Uh, so a prerequisite of a podcast is that you have an RSS feed. And what Adam did with with help, right, was they created new tags for RSS feeds that are more useful for podcasting, that when a podcast player picks up the feed, it can display more shit, right? Um, in a nice, convenient and pretty way. Uh, that is cross-platform and the app developers just need to use it, right? Um, it's not going to break anything. Uh, tags that aren't recognized by your podcast player are dropped and ignored, right? So it's a nice cross-platform, open, free as in freedom way to add more stuff like transcripts, chapters, value for value, right? It's not just throwing Bitcoin into podcasting, right? It's, it's important things like transcripts, chapters, clips uh who the hosts are right like what's their contact information when wh where was the podcast recorded if that matters right uh things that just don't exist in the rss spec that was before right and so that's very valuable um and so what i'm getting at is uh he had a couple mastodon servers and the direction that things were going was well podcasts are basically just radio shows and i mean but they're not live most of the time they can be and video streaming has really made live podcasts popular, right? Um, even though those aren't really podcasts, right? But it's like, well, we want real podcasts to have that too, right? So they came up with a thing called lit or live item tag, I think is what it's called. Uh, and I want to implement that for our show, right? And so if your podcast is lit, people who have a podcast app like Fountain, uh, like Podverse, actually, I'm not sure if Fountain has it yet, but 
whatever. Uh, if you have a podcast app that supports lit tags, you'll get a notification when they go live and you can listen live, right? That's part of the vision. So the direction that they were going was, okay, we figured out how to get live versions of your podcast. Like these podcasters are still doing what we're doing and saving off the audio and editing it before they release it, release it, right? Like that's fine. Yeah. Um, they're still doing that. But some people like listening to the Raw show, right? Um, I get it. So the question was, where's the chat, right? Because I mean, Boostagrams uh, are not a substitute for chat because the culture behind Boostagrams is you'll send like anywhere from a thousand Satoshis to uh, a ridiculous amount, right? Um, I usually send about 3,500 uh, just to make sure that they actually read my message. Because uh, if you get too many, you got to start putting a limit on like which ones am I actually going to read out loud, right? So yeah. I get that. But and Fountain, uh, you know, blazing their own trail, we're like, okay, well, what if we have comments on uh, boosts that also cost Satoshis to post? And there, you can like boosts and boost comments, but those also cost Satoshis. It's, it's a much smaller, like order of magnitude smaller, like three satoshis to like something right which is like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny but when a million people do it it's it's money right yeah. um and uh people who support this kind of thing they 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 treat value when it comes to like satoshis bitcoin right as a as a measure of signal because it's like it, it's like how elon solved the bot problem on twitter i mean he didn't really solve it but like you have to pay to be a bot right and well, it's not it's not sustainable, and you know the evil rich man gets more money. So it's like, so with boosts, it's like, well, the strongest signal is the one that, that put the most money down, right? And it just it just kills botting, right? Because that makes all, sense to me. All the real shit floats to the top. Makes sense. So how do we handle comments for a live show, right? And the direction they were going was Activity Pub, Mastodon. Polaroma, right? Soapbox, whatever you want to call it. Um, and all the other like interconnected shit like PeerTube and Funk Whale and uh, fucking Kbin and Lemmy. Man, you've already blown my mind. I've heard of one of those. Right. And it was probably Mastodon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you haven't heard of Lemmy and Kbin because those are Reddit clones. But uh, I, I digress. Well, I probably heard of Lemmy. Uh, but after the whole Reddit fiasco, I just kind of stopped. Yeah, good for you. Break the habit. <laughs> the direction they were going was, well, maybe it's a Mastodon server. Maybe it's some new software, right? And when you start your show, the chat room's there. You need an account on the Fediverse that can federate with your instance, like commenting on someone else's, or replying to somebody on the Fedi, right? Who's on a different server than you, right? But then yeah. that invites a lot of problems, right? That invites, um, what if you get banned, right? Or how do you moderate? Um, because Mastodon has this culture of block lists. It's very, very Gamergate era paranoia, right? Where people will make these big, long block lists full of servers, give them no chance to like rebut or rebuke any claim. And half of them aren't even real. And questioning it just gets you on the list, right? But you said Mastodon, isn't that Twitter? <laughs> it sounds like I'm describing Twitter, I know. <laughs> Um, so they have these big nasty block lists. Uh, the server that we're, our accounts are on is on is is sometimes first billing on several of these, right? Uh, because there's no rule about what you're not allowed to say. Now 
the server that we're on, Shitpuster Club, is pretty chill, and it's yeah, typically I've not misused. Right. But you wouldn't be banned if you did, and that gets people I mean, mad. The worst thing I see on Shitposter, just saying, is usually from one of your bots. <laughs> That's, I mean. yeah, fair. Uh <laughs> But, you know, occasionally, every once in a while, we'll get, like, a new person that signs up. And, and Moon's talked about this on our show, no less, before in one of the yeah. last episodes that he was in. Like, there'd be people that'll sign up, and they'll be like, wow, I'm finally off Twitter. I I can finally say the N-word, and they'll do it. And then nobody will care. And they'll be like, oh, this is boring. And they'll leave. <laughs> yeah. Is right? Moon cosplaying as a fox girl right now? He changes his avatar all the time. Uh, I, I, I just decided to go to Shitposter <laughs> while we're doing this, and it's full of moon, naturally, and it just says Foxy all over my timeline because of this. <laughs> um, maybe we'll invite him on the next episode. I, 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 he's listening. I know he is, but... Well, you get a shout-out, Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even pay for it. Yeah, la- last time he was on our show, like, 10 grand went to the moon and back. That was awesome. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with his appearance on our show, but <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that was that was fun. Not. That was such a fun time. Uh, so let me let me talk about where we were going. So they were thinking about going with Mastodon, but block lists are a problem. Being associated with Adam Curry is probably enough to get you on these block lists because his podcast is political in nature, right? It's like, I mean, depends on who you ask. Right. Like some people are like, oh, that's right wing propaganda and conspiracies. And another person be like, that's South Park humor. They're making fun of both sides. Right. But like some people don't know the difference. Whatever. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's there a- are people that think South Park is right wing. Fair. Fair. Some people aren't media critical um, and they're all on Mastodon. What a coincidence. So, <laughs> well, um, you know how the dichotomy goes. You're either yeah. with us or against us. And on top of that, if you don't share all of my beliefs, then you're secretly a spy for the other side. Yes. <laughs> There's much of that going on on Mastodon. It's it's hilariously paranoid and self-defeating. Um but I'll save that for a time when we maybe have a Fediverse guest. Uh yeah. but what happened was is Noster happened, right? So in the in the outro of our show lately, I've been telling you about my Noster address, which if you sign up, well, it's not something you sign up for. If you roll a key and get an app I don't I don't know how to phrase that. That that doesn't sound user friendly at all. Uh, if you join the Noster network, <laughs> whatever that fucking really means under the hood, um, you can find me with my Noster address, which is Dylon at Melomancy.cafe. Melomancy.cafe is also the website of our forum, but that's just how verification works. You just have to own a website, right? Or pay somebody who does to uh, verify you. It's um, very similar to how Mastodon does it. Uh, basically, there's a text file on a server somewhere, and you can look it up and be like, yep, I know who that is. And then you get a little green check mark, just like you're verified on old Twitter. Um, same fucking idea. So I'm over there, and I've been there since about December of 2022. And it has evolved rapidly, much more rapidly than ActivityPub had ever done. Right? So Noster, that's, I, I've talked about it briefly before, but it, that, it's an acronym that stands for Notes and Other Stuff transmitted over relays noster right so the value here is the other stuff part because notes that's just twitter right we can post we can like we can reply we can repost uh we can quote um and people have just been adding shit on top because the spec is very flexible and open the, the biggest difference between noster and activity pub is that the devs like each other like with 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 mastodon like to contribute 
like people are going to go analyze your post history and find out everyone you've ever interacted with and who they've interacted with and see if they can pin uh, some infraction upon you that makes you some isterism, right? Whereas uh, right. the Noster devs are just like, you want to build on Noster? I want to build on Noster. Let's go, let's go meet in person. This is great. Noster been evolving very fast, right? They have conventions now, right? Like they, I think Noster Asia is like right around the corner. It's in Japan. Uh, and they're getting ready to do one, I think, in the West Coast next after that. But like, it's a growing network. It's very nice. And it is 1000% more convenient to be the chat room of your live podcast, right? So it's like, that's the direction that they're going. Activity Pub does not seem to be the solution because of all of the crap between servers and block listing and all this history. I'm sure there's some other technical reason why it's not that feasible either. But like Noster is so much easier to work with that that's just where they're going, right? And so what I was going to do last week when we were supposed to be recording was look into lit tags and look into streaming uh, as a Noster note, right? Or it's, it's that other stuff category in the acronym, right? Because uh, recently Noster clients have been updated with um, a new standard. They're called Noster implementation proposals or NIPs, right? And anybody can make one. And if they get approved by the community, uh, people who make clients will just start implementing them. And so that's how we got things like verification, tipping, uh, chat rooms, DMs, right? They were all someone's idea on the back of a napkin that they put on GitHub and everyone said, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. It's like so easy to, to get it done. And so somebody recently made one that allows for objects that are live streams to be posted like tweets. So. There are people that are streaming on Noster using the same kind of, okay, it's actually RTMP address to an object storage thing that we were doing with Sirius Poster behind the curtain, right? So somebody took what we were already doing on Moon's website and made it a thing that you can share and view on Noster. I mean, I could have handed my RTMP address to anybody and say, hey, put this in VLC. It'll work while I'm live, right? You don't have to actually go to the website. Um, it's just an address, like a web page, right? It just happens to be playing something when I'm live and that behind the curtain, that's what it is. Cause, cause that website, SciTube, uh, that serious poster is behind the curtain, the software, like it's for synchronously watching YouTube videos, right? That's its purpose. Uh, like the old Google Hangouts we used to do with our friends. Same oh, fucking I idea. Those. Oh, what was that other one that we did? That was the uh, DJ. Plug DJ. Oh, oh man, yeah. I love Plug DJ. I'm sure it somehow still exists in some form, but uh, is not like what it was when the money flowed freely for all uh, little startups. Yeah, I'm afraid to look it up. I I don't want to have my heart broken. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, it was just like a wait. I remember doing things together, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the there have been several. Let's watch YouTube together or videos or movies mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And there's really just no no better alternative than hosting your own damn server, which I'll settle for moons because I trust him, right? But like Shipposter Club, um, I forget the days. I think it's Sunday. Sunday and I think Monday or Tuesday, they do a movie night where uh, they'll post. There's actually a movie night account. Like it's no, you shut the fuck up, dad, the user, right? He listens to our show too. Uh, he's the host of the, of the, of the event. 
And he made an account that's just announcements for that. And on Pleroma, like you can, there's like a bell icon that you can like get notified whenever someone posts, right? I, I, I click the bell icon on that account. And so like, I'm, I'm always getting notifications of like what movie they're watching next, but I never have fucking time to show up. It's really sad. But like, all you got to do is show up and it's like watching Twitch. It's like, yeah, here's the movie. And it's, this is the files are behind the curtain somewhere. It's probably on Moon's object storage somewhere, right? Um, and they set it up and you can watch it and it's a low enough resolution that they haven't gotten in trouble yet. Uh, <laughs> and I've been to a couple of them and they're, it's, it's a great time cause you got the Twitch chat flying. It's not really Twitch, but you know what I mean? And so imagine watching like fucking, uh, Robocop and like the chats just flying, like joking about how like old the movie is and all the things that you can't do anymore in movies that are happening in this movie. Right. Um, yeah. What is it? Uh, bitches leave. I don't think we could say that even and that's not even a bad thing to say really <laughs> because it's uh, gendered you're not likely to get it through Hollywood at the moment yeah well not getting anything through with all the writers on strike <laughs> hey 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 there was like two movies that have come out since the writer strike I think those are already written yeah no almost certainly they were yeah not that it makes them any better because like no god the writing in recent movies has been so bad. It's like, I can't believe they're asking for more money. I mean, it's their right. And it's what we expect of their union, but it's like, it's like, come on, man, you guys suck at this. <laughs> I watched a, cause you know, I basically don't watch movies unless I'm with you. Um, so that tells you the number of new movies I've seen recently. Most of the time I get mm. it. I get what happened in the movie through, uh, honest trailers and, uh, uh, Ryan George doing pitch meetings and uh, his his pitch meeting for uh, the new Meg movie because apparently they made a second one of those just like was so bad like the movie had to have just been awful like it ends with the exact same like problem that the first movie had which was the the shark or sharks in the second movie's case are going to attack this beach full of um, tourists then the heroes fail to stop the tourists from going out in the water, so so many of them get eaten. Oh, man. It, but it's just, you can watch the the difference in the thriller and the like the writing and everything between that and Jaws, which it is no doubt. Uh, um, I'll politely and say it's an homage. Uh, <laughs> and the, yeah, like, that's what it's supposed to be, but, you know, Jaws is, you know, scary for lack of better terms where this is not it's almost comedy when it's eating people and i don't know i feel like you're undercutting your serious thriller movie when you yeah a comedy during what is ostensibly the horror like the climax uh, of the horror were you coming to my movie nights uh back in october or were you still like like balls deep in school um it depends on which movie where you're gonna ask me about i was gonna ask you do you remember watching five-headed shark yes that movie uh, was so because bad because we watched that uh, we watched the clip art show afterwards right the, right like the like five minute clip art show yeah yeah so i remember in the in the related movies after that movie amazon was like hey do you want to watch um it was like mecha megadalon versus like some other like kaiju monster and it was like a dollar i was like sure and it was like it looked like a fifth grader made it and oh yeah yeah it was obnoxiously bad like you've seen you know probably like bad movie 
fucking watch mojo top 10 countdowns and it shows the one with the birds and the and the bad animation it was worse than that it really was like you know when you look at other movies like uh, uh, uh plan nine or birds there is an attempt um they were held back by something besides the author the producer, the director, whoever's actually in, he, well, let's be real, for Plan 9, he was probably writer and producer and director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, like, besides not willing to take do a second take for some movies, you could tell there was like a vision with that mecha shark thing. It was just like so bad. Or the, uh, we're going to watch it eventually, I'm sure, but the amazing hunker bulk or whatever. Oh, the amazing bulk. Yes. Yes. Oh, man, maybe that's what we'll watch tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but one of these days, I'm going to I'm going to convince the friend group to watch um, Velocipaster. I watched that one with with Destiny. Uh, well, I don't remember what we were doing in the background. Uh, I think we we're wrapping Christmas presents or something. And I was just so taken aback by how great it was because it, it was it was that same like like with Plan 9. It's like they were limited by something, but they tried. Right. Yeah. Whereas uh, a movie like Lamageddon is bad on purpose. And uh, right. but, but Lamageddon succeeds where Five Headed Shark does not is that uh, they did a good job making it bad on purpose. And it's actually funny. Right. Well, right. Because like Five Headed Shark has some moments where it's like, oh, the hot girl, you know, the staple hot girl that needs to get eaten by the shark. She just like jumps into the water at it and like, oh, no, I fell off the boat. <laughs> it's like a full jump. <laughs> like, hmm. Maybe you want to shoot that again? No? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Lamageddon, trying to be a bad movie, right? Like, the deaths are hilarious. Uh, there's one guy who, every time he's in a new shot, like, it'll be the same scene, but different camera shots. Like, his shirt changes, right? Oh, that's brilliant. It's hilarious. Because you don't notice it at first, because it's very subtle, until they start making it super obvious, because it's, like, crazy graphic t-shirts that, like, it's obviously not what he was wearing before. Um, and like, it's, it's bad on purpose, but it's good. It's so good though, that it's like, wow, that's hilarious. Uh, and then with Velocipaster, it was like, it's, it's a little goofy, right? It's a very goofy premise. It has to be goofy. Yeah. Like, but they really tried to make a, like a somewhat serious, like performance, like all the actors involved were like really into it. And it was like. This would have been a really bad movie if these actors didn't give a shit. But they did. Uh, you could tell. I know I've seen like two or three minutes from that movie. Maybe it was like a, a stitched together trailer for somebody else. Because I don't think I've seen the trailer. Or I may have seen the trailer. But I know I've seen bits and pieces of it. Because he's like, you know, I, you know, I'm supposed to be a pastor. But also I eat people now. <laughs> uh, but uh, the... What it reminded me an awful lot of was Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes, it's much like that. I don't even need to watch the movie again. I just know Hobo with a Shotgun makes me smile every time I hear, you know, hear or say the name. Let me tell you what makes me smile. Uh, but let me let me oh, finish yeah. my let me just finish my thought real fast. That uh, live streaming via Noster coming soon. Promise. Okay, that's the that's the plan. Or maybe we'll go back to serious poster. I I didn't hate posting there. It's just I need to use Mumble to get a track for every speaker or else editing is just not fucking possible. And we were being lazy before using OBS to just get one audio track while also streaming the event. Right. So it's like, 
if the Noster thing for me doesn't work out, figuring out how to stream, one, that's a failure on me because it does not look that fucking hard. But two, like, I, I would be willing to go back. I would just, you wouldn't see my face. Like, I'd probably just OBS window captured the mumble window and just let the stream go while I still did the mumble recording and didn't record the stream. That's probably what we would do. Um, if we wanted to bring back the live, but it'll be one or the other. So look forward to that. But when I got called into work that day, and I finally got out and it was like, it was like, eh, I don't need to go to bed yet. It's a little early, but it's like, I ran out of fucks to give already because I had to work. Um, I unboxed my Steam Deck. I got a Steam Deck in the mail. So uh, what happened was I got a Chromebook a while back, right? The plan was, you know, it was actually the tattoo shop that inspired me. So you, you, you've been with me to the tattoo shop a couple times. Uh, my tattoo's not done yet, but it's been, I'm like eight visits deep. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're, I mean, some might say you're balls deep at this point. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I have a full arm sleeve, uh, but the top, like the shoulder uh, outside and inside are still just outline, not detail, but the rest of the arm is completely done. So uh, that's like eight visits. That's that's like eight four hour sessions in the chair, right? So one thing I noticed is all the artists at the tattoo shop uh, have iPads. Now I'm not about to go switch teams to Apple because I still have problems with Apple, right? Not that Android's much better, but like I like having control. So, uh, but one thing I noticed is like the form factor of an iPad was very appealing, and I and the refresh rate, of course, it's an iPad, it's really good, right? Like no surprise. I mean, iPhones that haven't had the programmed deprecation of the battery also smooth as fuck, right? So like, yeah, yeah. It's a shame that they you know <laughs> don't let it stay that way with the software. That's kind of dumb, but um. The iPads, though, like, I get it now. I'm like, okay, I can see how an iPad could be someone's only computer and they could get by in life. Like, yeah, they're still going to have the, a phone, probably an iPhone as well, right? But, like, after watching someone, like, use an iPad for some length of time with a, with a pencil, right? Uh, the, the, the stylus, right? Because they were drawing shit because it's a tattoo shop. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool as fuck. I, I get it. Uh, and I wanted like that, but I didn't want an iPad. So I was like, okay, my first thought was let's get an Android tablet because my ulterior motive was, uh, well, my primary motive was, okay, this is a computer in my hands in the living room when the boys are out and about and I can, you know, pause it, put it down, pick it back up just like they do with their tablets when they're done running around. Right. And it's like, I want in on this. Uh, what happened was is, uh, Android tablets were too expensive for not good enough compared to the iPad. Right, which is a, I guess, a, a pretty big Android problem. So yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they just—it's they're not even close. So um, then came Chromebooks. I was like, okay, I've had a Chromebook before. I gave it to you. Uh, yeah. it, got, it got me through college. It was awesome, right? Um, and I really like how you could flip it around and make it a tablet. And the form factor was nice, right? And so I was like, what if I got a newer one of those? Because Chromebooks, like the current version of the Chromebook software. Right. It's like, OK, in laptop form, it's basically a computer um, resembles a computer. Uh, the early versions of the Chromebook, which was the, the current version when that Chromebook came out and it got updated before its end of life. Um, like you turn on the OS and it just opens your web browser. and You do everything in the web browser. There was no dock. There was no start menu. Right. It was very basic. Um, yeah, that sounds awful. From yeah. my standpoint, I'm sure for some people it makes sense. Of course, uh, but the current version of Chrome, as you know, has a start menu and all the stuff you'd expect in a fucking real computer, uh, but it runs on really low-powered hardware, 
uh, which is has a place in the world, I think. And my thought was, okay, I'll just use this. And um, my ulterior motive was beyond just using, you know, a tablet out there was uh, I really wanted to continue uh, reading visual novels, which I was doing on my phone. Uh, and right. I, I, I won't go into too much details since the victim's not here to make fun of him because <laughs> I know he came along <laughs> with me to this journey. Right. I sent him some recommendations and he's, he told me he, he did read. But, um, you know, I got to the end of my all these visual novels are in progress. And the 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 writers, uh, should I call them a writer developer? It's it's one man making what is effectively a video game. Right. Um, oh, he's an auteur, Dylan. Oh, uh, so these people they just they collect patreon bucks every month and they they make updates to their game when they can right that's just kind of the way of life and so i don't expect any of them to actually end (laughs) right but at the same time like i i enjoy what i'm reading so it's fine so uh i got to the end of all of the ones i was reading and i put them down i installed several of them kept the save files but uh they're all up with new updates and i haven't got to them yet and i was like i want to do this on the big screen so yeah with a chromebook it's like oh I don't have to settle for the Android version. I could just get the Linux version because Chromebook supports that. It's a setting you have to enable, but it fucking works. And then I got a few of them installed. It was laggy. That Chromebook was capable. It had an AMD processor, like, you know, X64, whatever the fuck, right? It had a little graphics card in it. It was advertised to be like, it's good enough for like 3D Chromebook games like Minecraft, and it's like, okay, if this thing can fucking play Minecraft smoothly, then it can play a fucking visual novel. What's what's the holdup? It better be. Yeah. yeah, it better be able to. Like, so my plan was, okay, let's go into developer mode, and let's tweak some settings. And developer mode wipes everything, of course, uh, reboots it all, gets me into this other mode, takes fucking forever, and I tweak some settings, and then I go back, and it's uh, it's smooth now. But now after typing for maybe two sentences worth of typing at my speed, um, the power cuts off. Oh, that's uh, not good. That's unplayable. Yeah, that is. That is literally unplayable. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, fuck this. Uh, and so it's like, all right, then I went down the rabbit hole of, well, first I wiped it, I power washed it, or whatever they fucking called it, and it, it didn't go away. The problem didn't go away. I thought it was a hardware problem or something, and so I was like, all right, uh, just in case it's software, I have one more Hail Mary. Let's install Linux on it. Let's go put Debian on it or some shit, right? And I, I yeah, started going down the journey to do that, and I fucking bricked it. Oh. So now I can't go back, and I can't go forward, and it's it's a, it's it's nothing to me now. So that night I was so I was I was mad, and I had money, so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm buying a Steam Deck. I got the most expensive one, and it came in the mail. And oh my god, it's so much better. I should have just bought this from the beginning. I don't know why I didn't. I, I think I was trying to save money. I was like, I. I'm, I'm a little, I'm kind of frugal. I don't know if you noticed. I don't, I don't spend a whole lot of money. Like, yeah, yeah. I make a lot more than I spend. Um, so I thought, oh, I could save some money and use my Linux know-how to make it work with this cheaper hardware. Uh, but I did not anticipate the Chromebook bootloader to be that awful and prone to bricking. So I, I thought it was going to be as easy as a Windows laptop, right? I thought this backup plan was secure. It fucking wasn't. So whatever. So the cool thing about the Steam Deck is that under the hood, uh, it's 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 Arch Linux. Like it runs Arch, by the way. <laughs> That's a joke. It's it's running Steam OS, which is based on Arch, and basically, um, I can go into desktop mode. Like I, I turn it on, and it opens Steam Big Picture mode, just like you can do right now on your computer. Which okay. I don't know if you've used a controller with that menu. It's fucking nice, actually. It took Big Picture 
ages to not be laggy so i've yeah. just never really used it um because it used to just be supremely laggy for no reason well i mean i'm sure there was an actual reason but like once i tried it on destiny's computer in the living room with an xbox controller i understood i was like oh oh no this is nice right <laughs> um whereas before i was like this is dumb i think we've talked about it on the show before like i think victim was so mad he's like this interface fucking sucks he hated it i remember um but like I didn't I mean, care because it like it because it's like I'll just never use it right. Uh, right but now, right. now I live by it because that's the interface for the Steam Deck. And if I'm going to be playing with an Xbox controller on Destiny's computer, um, I'm just going to click big picture mode and then walk over to the couch with the controller because the mouse is wired and the computer's next to the TV. I'm sitting on the couch across the room, right. Wait, you mean you aren't going to just, you know, shack up next to the TV for the whole duration? No, I did that for Warframe, and I will do it again. But uh, <laughs> um, for a controller, it's fine. I got all the way through Final Fantasy IV with the controller, and it was it was great. So big picture mode, actually great with a controller. Didn't appreciate it until I had to use it. That's what the Steam Deck has. And so when you turn it on, um, you can hit, like, the Steam button, which is, like, in the bottom left corner. It kind of reminds me of, like, the PlayStation button or the Xbox button on those controllers, respectively. And it opens a little slide-out menu, and there is a power button, and in there it says switch to desktop. And I'm like, what is this? You go there, and it just opens a desktop that is uh, the KDE Plasma desktop environment, which was, at the time, I mean, I don't use it at the, at the current moment, but before, that was, like, my... Um, desktop environment of choice so in in the linux world right you know how let's take windows for example do you remember windows vista yes you know it was all like glassy with widgets and then windows 7 was also glassy but kind of dropped the widgets a bit and then windows 8 was all flat and uh did tiling a lot different in the start menu you took the whole screen yeah yeah those are two like think of those as two totally different desktop environments one was called windows aero aero and one was called windows okay. metro maybe you've heard those words before Right. Um, that's what Microsoft called them. And uh, to us Linux nerds out there, that's just a desktop environment. They're just not calling it by that because they don't want people to search what that is and find us. Right. <laughs> uh, so Linux users have had choice in desktop environment for decades. Right. And so let's say Windows was a free and open source system like Linux uh, and you really like the Windows 7 look because let's let's be real. It's peak Windows. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you could make that the look and feel of your computer today without losing any features, would you do it? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Windows, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Like Windows 11's the other face is fucking shit. Uh, and Windows 10 is okay because it looks more like seven. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. Like uh, they really went back towards seven in uh, visuals. Right. So uh, in, in the Linux world, uh, all these desktop environments get updates over time, but like, there's no need to actually change once you find one that you like, right? So, for example, GNOME. Uh, I'm currently using GNOME because I'm using a distro that only ships with it. Um, but GNOME version 2 uh, is pretty old now. It was very, very popular. And GNOME version 3 was radically different. And so some people didn't like that. And so they forked it. It's free software, right? So uh, a bunch of people who were super passionate about it and knew how to code were like, we're keeping this part alive. They forked it, gave it a new name, Mate, like uh, the tea, I think. Um, their icon looks like a teacup. And uh, they they kept it updated, so it's got all the security bug fixes and, and modern tweaks you'd expect, but the interface is what everyone loved back then, and that's fine, 
that's absolutely fine and that's what free software is all about right so uh the reason i'm talking about it is because um i was using kde plasma for a long long time and that's the steam deck has <laughs> so like it wasn't some like like i imagine a windows user buying a steam deck and seeing desktop mode be like this looks like windows but like not quite like what did did steam like just rip off windows like no no they're using free and open source software that's been developed for decades by passionate people and actually works real fucking well like i could imagine someone like like from our own community like hells he only has a laptop right it's getting pretty old i think um and i i think he would be happy replacing his laptop with a steam deck like just get a dock and hook up your monitor and keyboard to it right um, it's Steam Deck can be your computer. You can play desktop mode and it would actually work really well. It would be a Linux computer, but it's a full PC in that regard. Um, and so thanks to that, I can go install all my degenerate visual novels as well as my Steam library to my heart's content. And I'm looking forward to that. So I am a big fan of the Steam Deck. I don't know why I didn't buy it sooner. Uh, I've come home and, uh, I'm probably going to rebuy the two games I bought on GOG Galaxy on Steam just because it's fucking convenient, which would be Brigador and Metal Wolf Chaos XD. But this is besides the point. They're on my wish list if anyone wants to help me. <laughs> well, you know I can't buy you good games. You've started this. I know. There's a tradition where we only get the generous <laughs> I've already picked out your next degenerate game. I don't want to know. No, you're not going to know until it happens. <laughs> I appreciate it. Anyway, so I got the Steam Deck, and you know what? It's fucking awesome. I haven't actually loaded any visual novels on it yet, but what I have been playing is, uh, well, mostly Warframe, for one, because now I can play Warframe with Steam Deck, because get this. You're not going to believe this. Fucking the day after my Steam Deck arrived, uh, Warframe became Steam Deck verified. Like, they, they updated it and fixed it in such a way where it runs flawlessly on the deck with no changes to the configuration. That's what Steam Deck verified means. All right, then yeah that's just like bam yeah like wow that's fucking convenient uh so warframe was one of the first games i got working on linux but it was never easy and it was never smooth it was just good enough right now it's buttery buttery smooth and every game they make steam deck verified will run great on my linux desktop computer because it's the same fucking thing under the yeah hood. well they fix the uh problems Exactly. Well, not really even problems. They're just things that didn't play well. Yeah, because a lot of games made for Windows are written in DirectX, and DirectX is Windows exclusive, so you need a compatibility layer that takes all those DirectX calls and interprets them as something different that still works the same way, and it's complicated. But um, fucking flawless now, man. Um, and so I've been playing that on the couch, and then I've been playing Destiny's account on Warframe on her computer, I caught her up to where I was at, almost. She's like one main story quest away from where I'm at. Oh, good. We're at a point where we can play together and meaningfully progress at the same time. Like, I'm not just doing old content for her, and she's not struggling with the, her latest stuff for me. Like, we're, there's stuff that we can do together that is good for both of us and worth our time. And that's fucking awesome. Some of it's that fishing and mining game that you saw me play. <laughs> but right. you know what? It's fun. So I, I'm, I'm super happy about that. And then I picked up a couple other games. Uh, I picked up Caves of Quud, uh, which is completely Steam Deck verified, but I can't figure it out. <laughs> um, I wonder if it was meant to be played with a mouse and keyboard. It probably was. But I just haven't figured the controls out yet. 
it's not very user friendly, but uh, it's completely compatible. So I'm expecting it all to work. Uh, and then I also got Turbo Overkill, which just came out. So Turbo Overkill is not Steam Deck verified. It's playable. It works. But um, the UI doesn't show all the controller buttons. And uh, so it'll tell me to do things on the keyboard that I don't have. And it's uh, a little snappy. Like I, I feel like if I lowered the sensitivity on the turning, it might be better with the joysticks. But um, as it stands, not that playable. But the fun thing is, is that I can gamble on playable but not verified Steam Deck games. And if they don't fucking work, but they launch, it's just not good for controller. I can play it on my fucking computer because it's a fucking Steam account, right? It's not like playing some broken game on PlayStation that's so bad they got to recall it right or or something like that it's like what do you do with that nothing get store credit if they refund you at all whereas with steam it's like i i gain a lot by adding games to my steam account because i can play them on my computer or on the steam deck now and i could share them with the people in my little list uh in the family view which is just uh, destiny and her brother but like that's really fucking convenient <laughs> like steam is doing everything right I have nothing but respect for Steam. Fuck Epic. <laughs> <laughs> ah, epic fail. Sorry, I just, it was there. And it's low-hanging fruit, and you know. What am I doing if I'm not taking all the low-hanging fruit I can get? It's okay. But, you know, speaking of uh, epic failure, um, why, don't, why don't you you tell me uh, what you were reading about uh, what happened to Kotaku? Oh, yeah, so, end of an era. Now, I'm not 100% sure because a lot of things got jumbled in the mix about everything. Uh, the, I guess, now former CEO. <laughs> Was it a CEO? Oh, CEO, editor-in-chief. Damn it, I've got to look it up now. I, I'm pretty sure it was hey, editor-in-chief. Yeah, editor-in-chief. I said CEO erroneously. The now former editor-in-chief of Kotaku, Jessica Hernandez, is, uh, yeah, she got fired uh, by, because, you know, Kotaku's owned by somebody else and a for-profit business that doesn't want to lose yeah. money right <laughs> oh sorry it's patricia hernandez i said jessica hernandez patricia hernandez editor-in-chief i don't know how long she was editor-in-chief in fairness um and there's a lot of this i didn't look up because i'm just like oh man i don't need to it's kotaku and it's on fire and that makes me happy mm -hmm. right uh, so i remember this girl she wasn't always editor-in-chief. In fact, I didn't know she was editor-in-chief until you pointed out that she got fired. I was like, when did they promote her? Was like the first thought through my head. Because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. she was one of those like awful bloggers that like hates gamers and writes a bunch of well, inflammatory bullshit. She was one of uh, the ones that got outed during Gamergate, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. For not disclosing a relationship she had with... Uh, somebody in development was, it was a lead developer there's there's multiple yeah. occurrences yeah. of this behavior one of the you know rules of the podcast is no kink shaming um <laughs> so by no means am i going to say that she can't you know yuck her young i'm not going to yuck her young if she wants to sleep around with a bunch of degenerate basement dwellers build video games that's on her she's allowed to she's just there's this thing called conflict of interest anybody who works in any field that requires you to deal with anything legal or i don't know even patients like not necessarily legal directly but like you have to disclose conflict of interest um and in fact if you know in the non 
like in like my field, if I have a conflict of interest, I'm actually supposed to be like, yeah, I can't take you as a client. You need to go to my colleague. Like, that's just the way of things. It's not like, and don't get me wrong, anybody can be a blogger for um, Kotaku, as evidenced by Luke. Um, I forget Luke's last name, but he's written some of the uh, worst articles ever. He's the one that wrote um, the awful PlayStation 5 review. They fired him too, but he got <laughs> quietly fired because, you know. Uh, I'm glad they're getting fired. Like, I don't know what their business plan is with Kotaku because, like, it's just a clickbait factory, it feels like. Well, right. Nintendo's. They're a laughing stock. Yeah. Like, they got blacklisted publicly by Nintendo because they equated, uh, what was it, the Tears of the Kingdom with um, World War II in some way? I forget what they did. No, that was the that was their response to the blacklisting. After they got blacklisted, oh, right. they compared being blacklisted to uh, something standing about up, it was like standing up against the Axis, right? Which was uh, and then they used a uh, the guy. It was that same. I think it was that same Luke guy too. He like posted a picture of a Japanese pilot in the Axis army with all the like swastikas and stuff, and it's like wow. I mean, I know it's a running gag that Kotaku, despite their name, is like super racist, right? But like, that's just like you're not supposed to admit it like that, <laughs> right? And they they keep making you know garbage articles like they like we know they don't like Japan. Western media doesn't like they like the money these media brings in. Like the only reason the comics books industry is even remotely alive is because of manga. Right, and they're right. selling it at the co at the the comic shops. Well, I mean, Barnes and Noble's doing it too because, again, that's probably the only reason Barnes and Noble still has brick and mortar at this point. That and the Starbucks inside. Um, mm -hmm. So, like the like, and they're the only bookshop basically left in America. Um, it's just like we rather than trying to find or improve the thing that we're making like you know comics or um anything else or movies fuck anything the over in the western media by and large the answer is tear down the other like people making things so in video games it's japan like i imagine movie like actually being a foreign movie unless it's something you can't ignore like rrr it just doesn't like get a whole lot of recognition in the u.s like they're yeah like there are blockbusters all across the like from Bollywood, China, Japan, they're Korea, all of them like all of those countries making blockbusters year after year, yet we hear like about one or two. In like a decade, I swear. Like well, the last three foreign films that were culturally significant in my mind it was R R R. I mm -hmm. think Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was a Swedish movie. I don't recall. Oh, yeah, I forget. And yeah, I even forgot about the Europeans. <laughs> and then the other one was Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, you're right, though. That That's super old. Yeah. <laughs> and Girl with Dragon Tattoo is over 10 years old, I think. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, or Are you sure the, book, the book's not 10 years old and then the movie came after? Like No, I mean, the movie came out before I moved up here, Dylan. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, girl with a dragon tattoo. Two thousand eleven. Holy oh, fuck! Two thousand eleven, <laughs> two thousand. I think the first movie came out in two thousand. Oh no, the book's two thousand nine. 
the uh, movie is 2011. I'm getting to... What a great success that author must have to have a book and then a movie two years later that yeah. was at that level. That's cool. Good for them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, they got Daniel Craig in the movie. Yeah. I mean, he definitely wasn't James Bonding, but uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, she did some James Bonding. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, you mentioned bookstores earlier, and... Um, it remind it made me think of something kind of funny. It's like, so there are local bookstores too, right? Oh sure, but there's one down the street from my apartment. Yeah, I wonder, are are they the new like mattress stores? Like, are they just money laundering fronts for the mafia? Like, how are they alive? Like, I was getting some food, uh, in Pike's Place the other day, uh, Pike's Place Market in Seattle, and yeah. every every time I go there, I walk by this like local bookstore. And they got a bunch of like books in the window. It's all the correct opinions of the current day, right? It looks like right out of Portland, right? And you know, Portland's Straight probably got these Portland. too. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I never see anybody buy anything there. Those books are like they're all like political grandstanding, right? Like they're on display for a reason, right? For the the tourists on the the, the cruise ships to go see, right? Yeah. But it's like. How are these places still open? The the rent's not cheap at Pike's Place, right? Well, maybe it's a rent-controlled uh, location. So maybe uh, rent hasn't maybe. been going up. Uh, but also... It's just the, the, pa- the pandemic cleared out so many businesses that... It really did. A lot of the places that are around now either barely survived or are new. Maybe it's right? like that coffee shop. Um, you remember that one that... Uh, Oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, it was like, pay what you want, or pay what, well, it's not even pay what you want. For drip coffee, it's pay if you can, basically. And everything else costs an arm and a leg. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they survived because uh, after you whined about getting closed, a bunch of bleeding hearts uh, threw money at him. Mm-hmm. Patreon-operated coffee shop. What a... What a... <laughs> Hey, business model. If it works for healthcare, it works for coffee, I guess. Uh, <sighs> Make sure all the homeless yeah. people are wired. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I know we digressed a bit, but yeah, Patricia Hernandez, she got fired as editor-in-chief because uh, ultimately it was just... Kotaku's been real mm-hmm. shit. Um, they, you know, like we said, they got blacklisted by Nintendo and chose to thumb it towards Nintendo instead of, you know, being like, you know what? our bad here's uh you know we're gonna put that guy on administrative leave or whatever and we're gonna talk it out like because that would have been the right answer like it because they're only two like they're only two more uh publishers away from being defunct basically Mm -hmm. also we made a we made a joke earlier about the people that she didn't disclose that she knew uh that she was positively covering and her position as a writer uh we made a joke that um she was sleeping with them, but uh, we only know that for a fact about one of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, and she was like roommates, I think with one of them and like had financial relationships to a couple others. Cause they founded some shit together that she didn't yeah. disclose that she was directly advertising and advocating for and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I made jokes about it, but yeah, she, not all of her relationships were, uh, you know, uh, homely ones that a lot of them were just friendship, close friendships that uh, were, you know, like monetarily tied together. So right. it's not like it's things that legally speaking um, is bad for her to be doing without disclosing these things. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but, you know, whatever. No, it, but it is probably the end of uh, this style of Kotaku. Uh, yeah, I don't know who's left there that uh, we didn't like. I, I didn't... So many of them have left or jumped ship. Right. Uh, well, a lot of them are going to, you know, because this has kind of been writing on the wall for a while. Like, a lot of people have talked about, well, this is, you know, the death nail for, you know, whatever. But, like, there have been... Well, I mean, the, the written articles on the internet are becoming legacy media. And legacy media, as the name would imply, tends to always... Uh, go go the way of the dodo oh you know what i wonder if she or some of her other colleagues are going to start writing on substack that would be so funny because oh, they're almost certainly they will all those corporate journalists blogger people like shit on substack because they, they're told to because substack has been financially liberating independent journalists and it makes the corporate ones really mad well of course i mean it's the same reason like um if you're a youtuber and you don't cover the strikes with, uh, you know, the the correct way. Um, you're getting blacklisted by uh, the WGA before. Well, and that's not... so weird. Like, I know the WGA has an influencer program where you can join the WGA, and I think they'll give you health care or some bullshit, but you have to follow all their rules. But, like, um, I don't think most or even some YouTubers even do that. Like... What power does the WGA have over them? Well, I mean, some of them might, but generally speaking, they're not going to show up in my... Yeah. It's like... That's such little benefit. It's like, I feel like the only people who would take that deal are, like, like blindingly pro-union. Like, doesn't matter what the union is. Like, it's a good thing. All the time. 100%. Mm -hmm. In which, I, I don't actually have a whole lot to complain about the WGA, other than the writers in it are pretty bad. But, like... Its existence as a union and its purpose, uh, I, I have no problem with, honestly. I, yeah, I want to defend unions because, you know, it seems to be like there are only two options. Either one, you're pro-union, or two, if you're anti-union, you know, you're muckraker, you're terrible, right? Um, but the issue is, like, my personal issue, like, I've had a union in the past, uh, like, or been in a union, I didn't know union. And... All it really seemed to do was take $100 out of every one of my paychecks, advertise the union's candidates for, you know, local government office, and uh, protect people from getting fired that really should have been fired. Like people who are like, like clockwork, I call out every Monday, and I have done this for years. But because of the way that the union mandates, you can't fire me because it's a legitimate... I got a legitimate excuse for calling out, totally. I've just, you know, got a history of doing it or whatever. And, like, like all the unions seem to do was protect shitty people overall. Yeah. And that seems to also be the case of the WGA because we've seen the quality of their writing. Um, mm -hmm. And what bothers me, and I pointed this out on our, our previous episode, is that there, there, are, there are people who are just foaming at the mouth to defend them, that any speech that criticizes the WGA or the strikes or the the actual on paper as i pointed out wages of the writers that is apparently not enough um is just seen as like blasphemous like we ain't getting into this union <laughs> oh god no um well yeah no it's a very protected group it's an elitist group and they want to remain an elitist group and yeah like a lot of the problems come in with like we pointed out a lot of it is 
obvious problems where it's like, well, you know, we need X number of people working in the staff. And it's like, do you really need 20 people in the writer's room? Probably not. Do you even need to be in the room? Why can't you work remotely? Why haven't you fought for that? Why isn't that in your proposal? They probably want to force people to stay in Hollywood and be in the room and stuff because it, you know, it's the whole crab, you know, the humanity crab uh, or humanities like crabs thing where it's like, ah, you know, you want to pull people down instead of, you know, getting to their level or whatever, right? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you know, and I've said this before, it's the secret goal of every liberal is to make a new conservative, like the new standard of conservatism. That, that is the goal is to make a new new standard mm -hmm. every time. And move, it's move the line, push people over the line and say, why are you on the other side of the line, asshole? Like, yeah, it's to make a new standard for the new conservative because they're not going to want to continue to be progressive because at some point a new progressive is going to come up and you're going to be like, oh, they're weird. They're why do you want this change you know like the new progressive or the old progressives at first were like what do you mean we're going to be you know change or what do you mean there are more pronouns than he and her and she you know she and him or whatever right like it's fucking weird and then now you're like if i were to go to a college or whatever now and say no there are only two genders um they would chop your head off yeah, I would be the most conservative person on that campus to openly say that. I noticed that that happened with Bill Mayer because, like, I remember in the early 2010s, like, Bill Mayer was, like, this, like, uh, progressive boogeyman, right? Like, evil talk show man. Well, yeah, he had his movie Religulous. And now he's on team what the fuck are these pronouns? And it's like, what happened to Bill Mayer? And he's like, I haven't changed. I'm consistent. You are the ones that are changing. Well, and right, I'm and actually he's... Um... He did that Barbie uh, movie review. Uh, did well, we I talk about that, that last time? No, no I know. I know Ben Shapiro made a really cringe review of it, and oh, no, I, di I didn't watch it. Bill Bill made a review of it, uh, and uh, he basically said the movie's fine, but the message it's spreading is so blatant lie that it's going to be harmful, or it already is harmful. You can see the like the people defending it and being like this is what it's like to be a woman it's like no no it really isn't and i'm willing to like like if you live in the u.s you're a woman you can take your shots at me but i will call you a liar to your face it is not that bad it is not as bad as those kids were being treated in that movie um, i still want to see I, it i it's a movie, i feel like i need to see that movie for myself it's like as far like it's it's a fine movie like as far as the movie is concerned it's not a good movie like there are parts of it that are good you know because like very rarely are you going to have a movie come out of hollywood where it's like 100 percent of that movie was bad it's like no the action scenes were pretty all right but everything else blew you know things like that right like mm -hmm. and by and large it's a fine movie but it definitely shoots itself in the foot for its messaging so be that as it may um but, like, the sets are real pretty, especially mm -hmm. in Barbie Land. Um, you know, they do a lot of uh, really good effects. But like, I definitely, yeah. the, the pitch meeting for that one was so great. It was like, you know, misogy or what was it? The patriarchy is bad because the patriarchy is what Barbie fights against. Literally, the patriarchy. Um, and patriarchy is bad. And so for the uh, pitch meeting, you know, Ryan says that to himself because it's Ryan George talking to Ryan George. Um, it says that like 
six times and then he balls up the like the paper that says the patriarchy is bad and throws it at him. <laughs> it's like, did you beat me over the head with the message? Yes. But um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. So speaking of writers, um, oh, yeah. I would like to point out that it's it's August seventeenth, and we talked about the writer strike. Was it the last episode? Maybe the episode before that. Last or the episode before? Uh, Nothing's uh, fucking changed. They are still striking. Yeah, it's still striking. And, you know, like we mentioned, there have been movies that have come out during the writer's strike. Because, again, there's always, like, exceptions to the strike. Like, you know, they're not um, anybody big name. They're not blacklisting them. They can work just fine. A-list celebrities? Right. And I wonder, like, if it goes on long enough and the studio's find writers that are willing to cross the picket line or maybe they were never in the fucking guild to begin with right and they make movies and those movies are actually good is that going to change everything because like you're supposed to be on the the striker side and you're supposed to defend them and not watch the movies and like support what they do and what they're allowed to currently continue on right because there's a couple things in production that are guild sponsored but they're like they're like indie movies or some shit right um and it's like but what if all those are bad because they were really bad before and they don't get better but then the studios that ignore the strike and find new writers maybe they start sourcing their talent uh in austin right over in texas where they can still be in person and it's still kind of hollywood right uh well, or maybe they maybe they do georgia because uh in in both texas and georgia like there's a lot of like tv show and film that gets produced there because they have a lot of set space right and so there's a lot yeah. of like film industry people like camera people lighting people uh microphone people that live out there just because that's where the filming happens right yeah I wonder, what if they move the writing there i mean i wonder yeah that's possible because like just because they live in texas doesn't mean they don't know how to write yeah well i mean absolutely <laughs> the Weird, like the weird thing is the WJ kind of has a monopoly on it because yes, they technically don't, but it's like hiring an actor that's not in the Actors Guild. Yeah, yeah you can do it, but you incur a pretty hefty fee from the guild to employ a non-guild actor. But the non-guild actors to get in the guild have to have acting credits, which is why we see a million movies with the same people. Of course. I mean, yeah, and in fairness, those like A-list actors are really good actors. Like they, they're good at their job. It's just after a while, it's hard to you know differentiate some characters. That's uh, why every fucking young male is either fucking Tom Holland or T Timothy Chalamet because they're guild actors that are young and have acting credits. <laughs> also they're not burnt out so they'll probably say yes to more things than they may otherwise and they actually look young yeah and yeah and you know they're sometimes they're probably not in the position to say no like mm -hmm. it's not like tom holland can be spider-man forever because uh i think marvel's pretty much done like they're definitely scraping the bottom of their barrel like they've scraped at the bottom of the barrel they're scraping barrel at this point also, they put all their money on their new Thanos being Kang the Conqueror, and then the actor got thrown in prison. Also, Kang the Conqueror, like, their Kang the Conqueror sucked. Like, their, the his movie. That he I didn't in. even give him a chance. I haven't seen it. 
Uh, I didn't have like again. I don't have to do these things. Other people do it for me, and uh, I can watch little clips here or there. And man, like the fact that a lot of these movies get pushed out is a testament to the well, the power that Hollywood has over the strike strikers. Like they don't have the strikers don't have power. Like we saw it with the uh, Scooby Doo bullshit. Like there was a, yeah. somebody produced a Scooby Doo fan made thing for his own portfolio, so there's no money. There's just like a hey, I want to be an animator someday, and my voice actors for the animation are AI, and Daphne Blake's um, BA. I don't know if it's the new one or the old. Like I can't be the girl from the seventies. It has to be um, some new one. It has to be her stand, like whatever her standard uh, VA currently is. Hitched a hissy fit on Twitter and said she's going to get him blacklisted for Hollywood, like straight up, like the the old "you'll never work in this town again" you know, yeah. project manager bullshit. It's like, how dare you practice our craft against right. our ways? <laughs> like, well, what? and we know what the issue is. The issue is they're scared. All the strikers are scared. They're scared mm-hmm. that they're going to be replaced in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, we we thought AI was going to be replacing, you know, taxi cab drivers and uh, McDonald's employees. But turns out it's replacing uh, you know, writers. Yeah, creatives. Uh, artists of all, you know, of all you know, stripes are under fo- threat. About the only ones, weirdly, who aren't directly under threat by AI or, uh, like, actual musicians, not uh, computer musicians. But, like, I play instrument musicians because sometimes you can't replicate those sounds uh, without the instrument. And uh, you can make good money touring live. Oh, there's that, too. Not, like, the rock star life. Like, I get it. But, like, you could do it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) AI can't. Yeah. Like, weirdly... Like of all, like of all of them that you would have thought that AI could replace, because I would have thought musicians would have been on the chopping block overall. Like guitarists, things like that, I would have thought they would have been on the chopping block for AI before writers. To be honest, yeah, uh, funny how that worked out. Yeah, I mean, I knew the the VFX people were always in trouble uh, from AI because visual, like visual media, is something that AI has had some of the least problems with. So yeah, but. I wouldn't, but writers, voice actors, they're under threat because, and you know, I, I know not everybody shares this opinion, but like if the thing you produce can be so easily replicated, then are you producing anything valuable? Like if, if my cooking is only as good as, if I want to build, make a restaurant, my cooking is only as good as canned meats, then I'm not going to make like my restaurant's not going to do anything it's gonna like it's not gonna be good to be fair to the voice actors though like some of them are really good at voice acting right but the ai is unprecedentedly good at it like right Uh, right they didn't see it coming no they didn't and nobody nobody really saw it coming because how could you how could you again nobody thought creatives were the ones under threat um and if you know, ChatGP and some of the other ones didn't come to the forefront. Um, this would have been a well-kept secret for a long time because, like, Hollywood absolutely has been using AI for a five, six years yeah. now. I think, like, well, longer. Like with James Earl Jones' voice, like they they were they had him dubbed as early as Rogue One. 
Yeah, so, like, he, like, yeah, Hollywood has had AI voice replication for a long-ass time, and, you know, they just were quiet about it, so it never made headlines. Because they, like, because, like, what, you don't, like, and some people, you know, VAs especially get mad about this, but you're selling your performance. You're, you know, you're not, you're, you're not, yet you're leasing your voice, sure, but you're selling the performance, like, you know, you don't actually own, you know, like, the Honest Trailers guy doesn't own Honest Trailers' voice. Mm-hmm. Like, because anybody who can imitate that voice reasonably well could do it, so what, mm-hmm. what's the difference the, for a computer doing it? The guy doing it now took over from another guy. Yeah. Um, like, you can tell the difference, because they sound pretty different, but it's like, the other guy did a different common trailer voice, right? Right. Um, and then they switch to this other guy who does a common trailer voice, and he's not even the original guy that made that voice the thing we hear in trailers when we were kids on TV, right? Yeah. It's He's performing a certain type of voice that right. someone else could do or an AI could do. It's not his voice. Um, I think that's something that, you know, VAs also need to understand. Very rarely are VAs just using their own voice. Almost always... They're using a voice, they're like channeling a character they heard when they were a kid or, you know, a way they envisioned something, but so rarely is it just their voice. And I'm no, by no means begrudging them. Uh, right. It's just something that they're going to have to live with. It's like, I think we're going to have to, we're probably going to see a future where uh, if people find out that you cheap down on the voice actors and went with AI, uh, they're going to have to boycott your game. Uh, to get the point across that this is not a thing people want, right? Because like, absolutely, studios are going to do it, and you're just going to have to put your foot down. Like, can you really go without seeing that next Marvel movie, little boy? People apparently can't go without playing Blizzard games. And, Seriously, you know, they were like the scum of the earth for like a full six months. You know, everybody was boycotting Blizzard, and now everybody's quietly playing, uh, you know, Diablo Four. Enough. People are playing Diablo 4 that it's a big deal when patch notes go off. <laughs> Hell, there's still a lot of people playing Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. It's almost died off. Didn't Kotaku say that? You know, well, That was The that, Gamer. The Gamer. Our, oh, our, our favorite blog, The Gamer. Sorry, right. The, well, I mean, they're definitely got some uh, small shoes to fill now that Kotaku's uh, over and done with. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't you know Kotaku what? also uh, openly share their disgust for uh, Japan by saying uh, how much... How, not good enough it was to have a gay relationship in final fantasy 16 and then the same author you know comes out and being like oh how do i kiss? being able to kiss a woman not even right. you know, necessary and off screen and almost off screen yeah yeah it's just the best thing ever it's such a it's such a win for yeah you know, the rainbow community that, that pisses me off so fucking much because like look at this western developer i mean yeah it was european but still western right they're western let's be real they speak english and, and their character aloy uh with all her peach fuzz is like oh so gay so great i can't believe this representation is so real meanwhile fucking final fantasy 16 is getting banned in saudi arabia because bahamut will open mouth tongue kiss a boy right on camera who is his long-term relationship that was established before the game fucking starts and what are you going to do about it? Get mega flared. Like, <laughs> like it's unapologetic. 
And it's the kind of representation that people were looking for all along, but then they get criticized for it. It's like, do you really fucking want it or not? I don't think they do. Like, it doesn't count if it's if it's not Western. And it's because they, they're not looking for what they're asking for. They're just looking for the right people to do it. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right with that. It's dumb. Again, Japan is, for the intents and purposes of these groups, right? Like, Japan is is not good enough. I'm saying that these bloggers treat Japanese games that have progressive elements uh, the same way liberals treat black conservatives. Of course they do. Because it doesn't fit the narrative, right? Like, mm -hmm. Exactly. Because it doesn't fit the narrative, therefore they're somehow subpar. Um, it happens all the time. Like, you know, we see, like, we're pointing out with Japan, but, like, even in the U.S., like, uh, a few, you know, black conservatives or really any uh, minority that's a conservative, you know, like, the, it's just, I can't, I can't quite understand the point of being, but, well, actually, I do. You always have to have outrage. That it, like, our current 24-hour news cycle is built on outrage. Well, it's because our 24-hour news cycle is built on advertisements. Right. Because you gotta gotta get those clicks, you gotta do click-driven this, engagement that, which is why value for value is important. Uh, we don't, with a value for value system, yeah, sure, we're not living rich, right? Because we don't have as many listeners on the new platform as we do on Spotify and iTunes. And we really love and appreciate our listeners on Spotify and iTunes, right? I'm just saying get a new podcasting app, get some sats, send them. And yeah, give us the sats, nerds. <laughs> maybe one day we can quit our day jobs but you know what i'm we're doing this for fun and not for money it's just a nice bonus yeah and i think what we you know what it comes down to when it comes to these sorts of things is there's got to be a point where people can say choose to say no to the thing that they want because they're supporting some like when they do the thing like blizzard i'm mean, gonna go back to blizzard if you actually are opposed to the things that blizzard's employees do that uh Oh, what, uh, you know, McCree, Jesse McCree or did, um, then, and you want to make a point then don't buy their fucking games. Certainly don't buy into the micro transactions. If you buy their games, just let them go out of business. Yeah. Like if you want to make a point, stop giving them money. Like the reason EA did loot boxes or is still probably doing loot boxes. Let's be real. I don't follow the sports games right now, but I assume sports games are just as egregious as they've been for the last decade. I, I think the sports games are the last bastion of EA loot boxes. Like, they didn't change those, but I think they ripped them out of everything else because of the backlash. Yeah, but, like, the sports... Just sports games in general, honestly, like, most of the major sports publishers are casinos in disguise. Um, just stop giving them money, and they'll stop doing it. That is... The truest thing that you like you can do like i will go out on like i will i mean i know this is only a vague record because again we're not like it's not like i'm out here on hello internet saying it or anything but if a good game has bad monetization it's a bad game that's Just, all there is to yeah, it straight up like it's a bad like these are bad games that people are just like bending over backwards to defend and it happened you know in like our media like they go over backwards to be like, and I'm not saying I'm not going to go out there and say the Horizon games are bad. They're bland. They're not bad. 
Like they're 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 last holdouts of the Ubisoft sandbox. Those devs really thought they had a better game than Elden Ring. I can't believe those tweets that those devs made. They mocked it for its design. It wasn't inclusive. It was too hard. Because there wasn't a bunch of shit on the map with little pinpoints to go to go look at stuff. So they, they couldn't tell when they were done with an area. Like, yeah, the games are hard. Yes, the games are not intuitive. Like anybody who like anybody who needed to or got grabbed by the three fingered hand and needed to uh, you know rid themselves of the worst ending understands how convoluted the game is. Um, but like they were bitching about like basic mechanics, yeah. like the map not having pins for everything of importance. Basic mechanics, you know, the tightest gameplay made to, in a video game to date. You know, the the smooth like the hitboxes on the game are so precise that you can do emotes to dodge things. Beautiful. Like, I, no, like they're get like Horizon is a bland game. Both Horizon games are bland. They're all right, but like you point out, they like it's very easily pointed out how much how much like backbreaking 11 hour labor they had to do for um zero dawn or forbidden west forbidden west is the second one um mm -hmm. to make it better like aloy still has an inventory system but technically it's unlimited she just has to have it get put in a box but you can access that box from anywhere on the map anywhere you are so why not just have her with an unlimited inventory like that was very clearly a stopgap thrown in at the 11th hour because there somebody on like some tester was like pull up why haven't you nerds fixed this and, like, it's just embarrassing i've di i've digressed us because we wanted to bitch about the gamer too yeah we do want to bitch about the gamer as well i have something pulled up that i want to talk about but before we go there uh i did want to talk about value for value for just a minute because oh. um so recently there's been some new tech right uh that allows podcasters to do time-based value splits right and so uh there is a music platform i i forgot the name I, i'm kicking myself because i forgot the name and i don't want to go look it up but there's a platform out there that has a bunch of music where the artists have their their bitcoin wallets up there for value for value right and uh adam curry who we mentioned earlier he's, he's got history as a dj he also used to work for mtv right so uh he did a new show he's three episodes deep i listened to the first two uh he's he's calling it the boost to grand ball you know it sounds like a radio show through and through and he runs it like one and he, it's using lit tags it's live when he does it people will send him boosts that sometimes have requests for songs that are on this value for value platform and using the time-based splits if you stream sats or send a boost during a song that artist gets a cut I forget the number, but it was like a, a thousand some dollars in two shows split between like five artists that he played because they were short. All right. So while you've been talking about that, I did a little bit of Googling. Is it uh, Wavelake? Yeah, Wavelake. That's the one. Thank you. So, yeah. So Adam had a radio show where he played like six or seven songs from Wavelake and all the boosts and sats that it's like it's like posting comments on um soundcloud and how they're like time-based right uh imagine that but every one of them has satoshis attached and they go to the artist right and uh like in just like two episodes he raised like a thousand dollars for these people which when you think think about how much spotify plays per play right it's nothing it's pennies 
right? You got to have millions of streams to see any money from Spotify. Oh, yeah. No, that's really good. I don't know how many people listened to the Boostergram Ball on the day that the episodes came out. Um, but it's value for value. So let's say you remember this story that I've just told you in a couple months from now. And it's like, oh, I should go check that out. Maybe you load up episode one of the Boostergram Ball on Fountain FM. And maybe you have your streaming stats set to 20 stats per second, assuming you've even turned that part on. And then maybe you send a boost during a song that you liked. And it's like months later, right? They're still getting a cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to stop. So Wavelake is spelled like Wave, the mu- the sound form. So W-A-V Lake, L-A-K-E. One and a. yeah, and if we implement this, we could play th- their music on our show. And they get a cut of the sats during the play. And uh, that's one way we can bring effectively royalty-free music onto our stream. That's a good idea, or without making it, because otherwise you guys are stuck to me singing it. Yeah, I mean, all rise for the Gamer National Anthem, I'll start chanting Halo, right? Uh, No, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Not today. Uh, (laughs) I haven't had enough beer for that. Uh, So, I want to spend some time shitting on the gamer some more. I fucking hate this blog, right? It's my favorite blog to hate, and I swear, these writers have got to be AI or something. So there's this article that I saw like the other day. It was written four days ago today. Um, I don't know how many days ago that is. It's August 17th. What's four days ago? One, two, three, the 13th, 13th. Sunday. Yeah. So on August 13th, Chris with a K Velasco might be an AI uh, published the best armored core games ranked. And maybe he's not an AI. Maybe he's just an idiot or maybe he's just a kid that wasn't born when some of these games were out. But like, I saw this list and I was appalled. So I'm going to read it to you with the context. Uh, For for some some context, I've played every single Armored Core game. Uh, Though I will admit that I did not own uh, and did not, therefore did not beat uh, Armored Core 2 Another Age, which is the expansion to Armored Core 2, uh, Armored Core Ninebreaker, Armored Core Nexus. But I've played all of the other ones. Uh, Even so, the bad ones. Well, the bad one, really. Yeah. So let's let's start with his list. So he he starts off pretty strong, right? Oh, and I'll read you his little his cute little intro. So, uh, the Armored Core series is one of the most revered IPs from the niche me- mecha third person shooter genre. Uh, fair. That's accurate. Okay. Its developers are the fan favorite from software who have built quite the reputation with their stellar, a bit extremely difficult Dark Souls series demon souls bloodborne and the critically acclaimed elden ring one of their earlier and more popular games before inventing a whole new genre souls like is armored core a mecha third person shooter allows you to create your own death dealing giant robot to take on various missions face off against other mechs on the battlefield the armored core series has over a dozen titles how do they stack up against each other okay so we're starting off okay like that sounds like he's played one of them at least right so first entry also starting off strong the last entry in the list is armored core nine breaker that's accurate right 100 percent, right and it seems like he's even played it or knows about it like the description he writes i'll paraphrase uh often seen as the weakest by many because he probably stole this list from someone else um formsoft removed the campaign mode and it's exclusively mech battles with some mini games that's accurate that's why it sucked right and then all it's the article still going strong number 14 was armored core 5 yes i get it uh, the next one down, Armored Core Verdict Day. Uh, I, mm, 
suspicious. Like, yeah, it should be low because it's Armor Core 5. But Armor Core 5 Verdict Day was a big improvement. And uh, the PSP game Formula Front is on here. This is not worse than Formula Front. But I digress. The next one down, Armored Core Project Phantasma. How dare you? Now, uh, (laughs) he says uh, it's offers 17 missions. Okay, fair. The first game had 50, right? Uh, It's underwhelming. The game provides you with more mech parts, better controls. uh, But it won't matter as you can beat the game in six hours. Yeah, if you convert your save file from the first game and kept all your old parts, right? Like, I know you're going to keep talking shit about it. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. Did you suspect that maybe he didn't? play these games and perhaps had borrowed the list from somebody else. I think an AI wrote this article is what I'm thinking. I think he asked chat GPT what the fan reception of these games were and reported on them. And that'll be more apparent when I get a little bit further down the list. Okay. Um, and we'll, we'll pick up the pace because he only wrote a few words about each one. Right. So uh, the, the, it's really suspicious. Now, number 11 was armored core masters of arena. That was the best one on the PS1, and the Armored Core 1 isn't listed yet, so he thinks that this and Project Phantasma are not as good as Armored Core 1, which is a little strange. Now, Phantasma, I get. Armored Core Masters of Arena was better than the first game in every way. That's wild, right? Don't understand. Like, he didn't even criticize it. Like, he was just like, he he said nothing but nice things, right, Uh, about the game. But for some reason, it's ranked lower than Armored Core 1. Okay. And then Formula Front, fucking bullshit. Why is that number 10? That should be uh, one above Armored Core Ninebreaker or Armored Core 5, right? It should not be number 10. That's bullshit. That's Formula Front was a PSP game where you build the mech and you watch an AI pilot your mech and fight other mechs. It's like Pokemon, I guess. Wow. It's like not Armored Core at all. And then, holy shit, number nine, Armored Core Last Raven. That should be number one or two. It's number nine on his list, which is bullshit, right? And then his words, released for the PS2 in 2006 and re-released for the PSP in 2010. Okay, sure, that's accurate, but why are you mentioning the PSP game? Those were just ports, right? Like, whatever. Uh, It's kind of a mixed bag. On one hand, the core gameplay mechanics are top-notch, and the mecha designs are some of the best in the series. But on the other hand, bland level design somewhat diminishes the fun to be had. What are you smoking, dude? Uh... Additionally, AC Last Raven is probably the entry that heavily focuses on the story. That was a good thing. What the fuck are you on about? It has a total of six standard endings and one secret ending to give you more reason to replay the game. That's that's good. That's a good thing. Why are you why are you mad? It's the last armored core to release for the PS2, and Formsoft swung the benches and took everything that worked in Nexus and improved upon the weakness. Then why is Armored Core Nexus higher in the list if it's better than Nexus in every way? I I, it, I swear this guy's an AI, right? Number eight, Armored Core 4. Okay, sure. Armored, yeah. and number seven, Armored Core 4 answer. What the fuck is he smoking? That should be even higher. That should be either number one or two with Last Raven. Armored Core 4 answer is peak Armored Core. Number yeah, six, no, Armored... Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Armored Core 4 answer was such a good game that it invoked a re-review for several outlets of the entire game. Yeah, and the, the AC, White Glint, is basically like a second mascot for the series that previously was tied to the hip to nine ball as the iconic AC mech. White Glint took that spot because he was that fucking cool, right? But they, this, this this AI man dares rank at number seven. Ridiculous. Now, number six is Armored Core Silent Line, and I'm happy to see this rank so highly. It was my favorite. 
right? And it was just a bit of an outlier for me as a fan, right? But I, I fondly remember Silent Line just because I couldn't get all of these games when they came out on release because I was a kid and poor, right? So I, I spent a lot of time on Silent Line and I fondly remember it. And then uh, reading what he has to say, he, uh, he's like, not surprising, Silent Line is the expansion for Armored Core 3, adding to what is already considered the highlight of the series. AC Silent Line is the safest option and barely touched the game engine. Uh, it focused on the addition, uh, focused on parts of the two new arena opponents, and that's it. Uh, sorry, let me re- <laughs> let me reread that. Most of the additions focused on parts and two new arena opponents, and that's it. Due to how similar AC Silent Line was to AC3, some derided it for playing too safe, but this doesn't change the fact it's one of the best Armored Core games. He is completely omitting that it had an entire story campaign. Like, he's saying it's Armored Core 3 with more arena opponents and parts. It's not a remake of Armored Core 3. It's an expansion. It's a whole new story start to end. It takes place after Armored Core 3. It's a sequel. Right. What is he smoking? Number five, Armored Core, the original. Cool, but I would argue that Masters of Arena needs to be higher than it no matter where you put it. Also, saying Armored Core, the original, is better than Silent Line, Four Answer, Last Raven. Uh, I mean, he's probably falling back on the, well, without this one, all the other ones wouldn't exist. That's some bullshit. And but Armored Core Nexus was number four. Armored Core Nexus fucking sucked. Like Armored Core Nexus, like let me let me read you what he said and I'll I'll tell you why he's wrong, right? So he says, I quote, <clears throat> Nexus takes the series in a different direction with more complex mechanical system. Added to the gameplay mechanic are energy and heat management, as well as lock-on capability. What? You could lock on in every game. <clears throat> Take note though, a lot of the gripes tend to revolve around these three editions. And while some welcome the added challenge, due to the more complex mech control system, Nexus had a rather steep learning curve that might not be considered beginner friendly. Once you get a hang of its systems, AC Nexus offers a highly varied experience with tons of content to bite into. So that's some bullshit. AC Nexus introduced was primarily heat. And raising the heat on your enemy was such a debuff and such a game changer that it changed the meta. No longer was it viable to do what you were doing before. Just hit him with the howitzer, hit him with the flamethrower, they'll die, right? It's so overpowered. Like if this game was on the PS3, they would have patched that shit out. It was a broken game. Oh, wow. I mean, I knew heat mechanics, like, heat mechanics in mech games are usually pretty powerful if you're willing to dig into it, but yeah, like, it's not usually the only way to do things. Yeah, it was bullshit. But, like, this rate, this list only makes me more mad. Like, number three is Armored Core 2 Another Age. That's the expansion Armored Core 2 that I did not beat. Um... I'll tell you what he said. As the trend with Armored Core series, expect the expansion to improve upon the original or improve upon everything from its predecessor. AC2 Another Age comes with an equally intriguing story, improving improved mech controls, enhanced customization, and more varied missions. There's also a more refined multiplayer mode and fun co-op a couch co-op battles. What makes Another Age a standout is how it even managed to balance the difficulty, which was quite high in AC2. So he definitely didn't play this game. It has like a ridiculous number of missions in the story that are all dumb and repetitive and there's there's just too many, right? That's why I didn't finish it. It's too many. Um, also, you. the story, not intriguing. Armored Core 2 was peak, right? Like it had one of the best stories in the series, right? Um, where it actually had a compelling villain that isn't some bullshit AI computer at the end, right? It was actually a real dude the the villain in armored core 2 was actually the player character from armored core 1 right who has become evil after all this time right 
That's fucking cool. First time I ever seen that done in a video game. I know it's not the first, but it was my first. Yeah. And I thought that was dope. Right? I mean, technically it happens in Diablo for Diablo 2. However, it's it's such a strange thing the way they do it in that one where it's just like, ah, Diablo implanted a seed in him and he turned evil. Mm-hmm. Also, Armor but Core 2 wasn't that it. difficult. You just need to get good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, he's never played the game, so how would he know? Uh, yeah, he's, he's a fucking GPT. Uh, so, number two, Armored Core 2. I mean, it should be ranked high, because I also really like Armored Core 2. But, like, it's not better than the rest that came before. Like, that's... This is weird placement. And then his number one is just Armored Core 3. But, like, Armored Core 3 Silent Line was better than Armored Core 3 in every way, and he ranked it as number six. But Armored Core 3 was number one? Like, it's a good entry point. It has that going for it. It's better entry point than Silent Line. So if you're only going to play one and only one Armored Core game, three is the one. Like, it has that going for it. However, number one is, like, a little steep, right? Uh, I, yeah. I am... This guy is probably, like, a Zoomer that is using ChatGPT to write half of his articles for him for shit he hasn't done. Because, like, holy shit... If you've actually played Armored Core games, this is not how your list would turn out, even if your taste is different than mine. Like, some of this is just crazy. And it's like, I expect no less from thegamer.com. Because, like, I uh, I just... It's not the last time you're going to hear thegamer.com on this podcast. We will bitch about them again. They will fuck up again. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, just time and time again, does the gamer get... Uh, dragged by anybody that has a brain Mm -hmm. i don't understand what the gamer is even like i yeah conceptually i I understand what they're supposed to be but i don't know understand what they are in practice other than like rage bait it's just an article farm like half of their articles are guides right they really are trying to be kotaku yeah um i i think so I mean, there's going to be some, you know, open space for that soon, I imagine. Yeah. So speaking of, of, of shakeups in the media, uh, I, I have one more story to cover before we end the show tonight. Um, did you did you hear about what happened to Linus Tech Tips? No, I did not. Oh, I have a story for you. So they've, they've had a bad week, right? Again, dear audience, it's August 17th, right? This is a developing story. By the time I edit and post this episode, more shit might have happened. Um, which would be really bad for them. So, um, where do I fucking start? So basically, you know, uh, I'll, I'll recap for the dear listeners in 2030, uh, after we're all dead from nuclear war, um, what I'm talking about. So there's this website called YouTube, uh, where people can post videos. (laughs) Uh, there is this, uh, group of people that post videos that are about like, Technology news, hardware reviews, benchmarking graphics cards, um, and just tech news in general, right? It's, uh, I imagine, a very lucrative um, division of, of YouTube. And a lot of people, a lot of companies will send review products to these channels for free um, just because it's hard for them to afford all the shit, right? So it's like if you want the media to cover your things, you need to let them try it. And sometimes you have to send that shit back. Sometimes you don't, right? That's that's between the vendor and the reviewer, right? Because it, yeah, 
makes you question conflicts of interest because you get to keep the thing, right? It's like, here's my review of the NVIDIA GTX 7070. Uh, they gave it to me for free. It's great. I'm keeping it. Like, <laughs> end of review. Like, that seems like a conflict of interest, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, if he's got a 770, he needs to come back from, uh, you know, the year 2050. <laughs> or, right. sorry, 1990? No, that no I said 7070. Like, <laughs> 7070. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my brain said 7070, but I said 770, didn't I? Oh, God. Right. It's the- 770 was a real card, and it's old. <laughs> I, blame, I, I blame the alcohol. It's all good. So uh, let me tell you what happened. So it all began with the labs. So one, so Linus Tech Tips, uh, which is owned by the Linus Media Group, which is owned by a dude named Linus who's in almost every video, right? Um, he has built himself basically a YouTube empire. He's got like fucking 10 channels or some bullshit and a podcast, which isn't really a podcast. It's a, it's a YouTube live stream, uh, or I think it's actually a Twitch live stream. Um, but whatever, it's formatted like a podcast and whatever. Um, no RSS feed, no podcast, but that's besides the point. So he's got a, an empire of YouTube videos and content. And he has a comp, this company employs like fucking a hundred, 150 people a lot right they yeah. have in-person offices where they do all the things and so because they have all this staff and all these processes and all this infrastructure uh they're able to crank out uh a lot of videos uh that are of a certain quality bar right um this ain't you know tech review in your mama's basement not at yeah, all no it, i know linus is high budget yeah it's it's good enough to put on the demo tvs in walmart right um it's like watching TV. It's like it's like I'm watching, you know, tech TV G4 back in the day, right? It's got that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, the YouTube channel for Linus Tech Tips is is constantly live in the YouTube live streaming, and it's just playing reruns of their old videos, like in order, like in a random order. So it's like actually appropriate to put on like a demo TV in like a Walmart. Like, that's actually kind of smart. But besides the point, um, they opened a new building of theirs. They're calling the lab which is uh, a big building with a lot of space where they can do uh, very intrusive testing of hardware components, uh, which will allow them to up their game and their reviewing of, of things more so than they could before with the space they had. Right. Uh, they got, they got a bunch of crazy shit. Like I think they have like a, a deafening room that has like all the crazy like foam on the walls that makes it like super quiet. So you can test like headphones and things like it's so extra. Right. But it's what a channel like theirs deserves, I guess, right? It makes sense. I don't I don't fault them for doing it. Uh, but what happened was is they have this fan expo that happens every other year called LTX. Um, it's like they they bring a bunch of fans in and they show them around. And this time LTX was at the lab because they wanted okay. to show people the lab. That makes sense. So you had fans of the show, bought tickets, went to the lab, pulled their phones out, recorded stuff, walked around. Um, so there was footage of a lot of the things that were said there. And one of the guys doing the tour was like, so the difference between us and channels like gamers, Nexus and hardware unboxed is that we can actually test every component every time fully, uh, implying that those channels don't, they do. Um, and so that's rude, right? That's like Kotaku saying, unlike the gamer, uh, our AI spits out articles at much more accuracy than that. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? I mean, 
it's insulting, right? Yeah, like how how dare you say that about your peers in the space, right? Like that was some shade. And Hardware Unboxed uh, wrote a bunch of tweets that were inflammatory and like, wow, what a dick, right? And said some not nice things and everyone just kind of brushed it off. Like, yeah, that's a thing. But uh, Gamers Nexus brought the fire. They, they, they fucking brought it. They, uh, oh, they Linus did. is probably regretting letting that guy say those words. I'm surprised if he still has a job. I didn't recognize him. I don't think he's one of their regulars. That guy that said that. I wouldn't be surprised if that dude's fired. So, uh, Gamers Nexus released a 45-minute video doing a detailed breakdown of everything Linus Tech Tips has done wrong. Um, so, they, they not only do they counter their statements about how Gamers Nexus doesn't test things, they obviously do. Right. Um, they went into explicit detail about how in videos on camera, right, uh, people at Linus Media Group have said they wish they had more time for videos. Right. Um, and that their pace is really egregious. And Gamers Nexus backs up the statement with a conclusion saying, yeah, there are lots of mistakes. And then he points out like like 10 of them. Right. Like. He did not spare any expense. He's like, here's an example. Here's an example. Here's an example. These ones have corrections. These ones don't. I just found them. Right. Oh, Where, are they, um, hang on. Are they, uh, just a thing, uh, compilation? That's the word I'm looking for of, uh, Linus dropping expensive parts. No, yeah. no, no. That's funny. That's part of their brand, right? Like, haha, funny, funny tech man drops expensive thing. Like that's just part of the lighthearted humor of their channel. Right. And that's not the problem. Okay. The problem is where, um, they'll put charts on screen that are wrong, right? That suggests like the newest model of the graphics card is 300% better than the previous model. That's bullshit, right? Uh, and you get results like that when you don't have consistent testing parameters, right? So the guy goes into really explicit detail about how these mistakes get made. And he also points out sometimes they do catch their mistakes and they'll use YouTube's like edit tools that are accessible to big channels to like, like replace in in line uh the graphs with new ones right uh but using their billy billy channel he's able to see the original version of the video that isn't corrected and so it's like no they make mistakes all the time right um and some of them don't even get caught like he caught a couple of them that haven't been not been corrected right um and like for example they reviewed a mouse uh that was like some some small brand that made a really fancy gamer mouse that was supposed to be like really good and their chief complaint was that there's too much friction it doesn't it's not smooth when you like use it right which a gaming mouse should be and um you could tell from the footage they didn't take the tape off they didn't take uh. the tape off the mouse and they doubled down saying no no we did it's in the footage and that caused the the company that sent them the review copy to like rage at them on twitter right uh but they never corrected it and they doubled down and it's damaging to that company's reputation yeah, that is. Uh, another thing they did was uh, this the company called Billet Labs. You might hear this name uh, prop up because they're kind of at the center of this controversy. Billet Labs is some small company somewheres that made a, a, a water block that is meant to cool your CPU and your GPU at the same time. And it looks cool and it's made of copper, right? Um, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. And so they sent Linus this water block, which is expensive, right? Um, like the, the, the retail price was like 800 bucks or something, right? And the prototype cost them even more to build a number that they didn't want to disclose. Um, so they sent him the prototype and they sent him a 3090 Ti 
to use it on because the 3090 Ti was what the model they sent was built for. Um, they did not use the 3090 Ti they were sent in the video for some oh. reason. Uh, and they used uh, a 4090 that they had lying around. And halfway through the video, they're like, oh, this is the wrong card for this thing. And it's like, it's close enough. We should just keep going. It did not go well. And the conclusion of the video was, no, this thing sucks. Nobody should buy it. Um, and then the people mailed back, you know, like, hey, can we have our prototype back? Like, uh, they, to the, in, in, in Linus's defense, they did originally say that they could keep it, right? But after the video came out, they changed their mind. Like, hey, can we please have that back? We want to send it to other reviewers who might actually, like, use it on the right kind of card. <laughs> right? Because we're, we're talking, like, a potential, like, 20 degrees Celsius, like, fucking difference. Like, it could have been huge. Uh, but they, yeah. they couldn't test it. Let me guess, Linus broke it. <laughs> no. Worse. So they agreed to send it back. They didn't. And then at LTX, they auctioned it off. Fucking what? They auctioned it off for charity. Yep. It was there on the table in the footage from the goers of the convention. Like, oh, there's that water block from that video. Uh, and it was for auction. It went to someone who bought it, uh, who took it home. And uh, they, they did not return it. And it wasn't until Gamers Nexus posted his video uh, that Linus offered to send them the money reimbursement for it. So, like, they weren't going to do anything about it until Gamers Nexus said something. And uh, what's funny is that, uh, so before that, Gamers Nexus reached out to Billet Labs when they made their video to get their side of the story and their scoop, right? And they they posted all the details about how they said they'd give it back, and then they didn't, and then it went off for an auction, and we haven't heard from them, blah, blah, blah. So Linus, a, a couple hours after the video goes live, makes a forum post on LTT's forums. Very inflammatory. Saying, you know, it's it's really shitty journalistic practice for Gamers Nexus to not reach out to us. We really expect better of them. That's really shitty. They could have got our side of the story. Uh, which, no, they don't have to do that. that Gamers Nexus re responded to this forum post in another video where they're like, no, we don't have to. You're doing harm to people. We don't have to get your permission to tell people about it. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's fair. And so Linus made this big, long, unhinged rant about um, how Gamers Nexus was being awful. And um, it, it, Gamers Nexus originally said in their video that they had sold the prototype, not auctioned, because they couldn't tell. They weren't sure. They weren't fucking there, right? But somebody paid money for it and walked off, right? I mean, that's semantics, yes. the difference between auctioning and selling, like, it was getting sold to somebody. They just didn't agree on the amount beforehand. So so Linus pointed out that this was an auction for charity, not a sell, uh, as if that's any better. And then pointed out that, no, we already agreed to reimburse Billet Labs the money. But what he really meant was, before I went on this rant on the forum, I sent them an email myself personally that said, hey, I'll reimburse you. And then he made this post, making it sound like it was already done when it wasn't. Right. Billet Labs told Gamers Nexus, who then told everyone in the world in their follow up video. No, no, that video, that that email came after my video was posted. They're lying. And then uh, in that forum post, he's like, this probably won't be on the WAN show. It probably doesn't deserve attention. Uh, but I'll say it here. You know, fuck Gamers Nexus, blah, 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 blah. He didn't say fuck, but you know what I mean? Um, that did not go over well. That did not go over well at all. You can't be like that towards your comp even competition yeah so um the, the the subreddit for linus tech tips became like a hate sub 
uh, as as one does on Reddit, even now, uh, after all the the damage that was done to Reddit. Um, oh, I didn't know that uh, Reddit could still function. Yeah, it, barely. It's a shadow of its former self. But of those that are still there uh, on the Linus Tech Tips subreddit, they are uh, all canceling their float plane subscriptions, which is Linus's like Twitch, YouTube uh, paid service thing um, competitor. Uh, so a lot of people have canceled their subscriptions, which uh, by the the redditors calculations is probably about 300,000 in yearly revenue that they've lost from that and that was like a couple days ago it's probably more now um and just the subreddit was just full of 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 pointing out that you know we should have listened other people have spoken up before and we ignored them um and basically the the people people just aren't defending him anymore right like normally linus tech tips has so many defenders right Right, like the, the devout faithful, and they are fucking not in the picture right now, right? Um, and then uh, to make matters even worse, um, well, before I get to that, um, so they did release a video after all with their new CEO that isn't Linus, right? Talking about how he's going to make a bunch of changes, um, did and they they're going to fire Linus. No, he stepped down from CEO a while back because he doesn't oh, okay. enjoy the that the work involved of being the CEO. He just wants to. Uh, be in the videos and direct the direction of the of the of the channel, right? But he doesn't want to sign checks and and balance spreadsheets and look at org charts and shit, right? Because his company's gotten so fucking big, he just wants to be the owner, not the CEO, um, <clears throat> which is the case. So um, they did a video where they did a really long apology. In their apology video, it was monetized. They didn't have a sponsor, but they joked about having a sponsor. And did mention that D brand offered to sponsor the video, which is that really any different than having a sponsor? Cause I mean, you name dropped them and talked about them, but like there was inappropriate jokes about sponsors and they def- they doubled down. They're like, no, this is our identity. We're goofy deal with it. Right. And it's like, you have just been caught red handed at the midst of the biggest ethical, like, uh, what's the word scandal, scandal, scandal that they've ever had. And they're cracking jokes. So whatever. To make matters worse is uh, their former social media manager came forward with allegations of sexual assault. Now, I get it. It's suspiciously timed, right? However. Well, when it rains, it pours. When it rains, it pours. This was probably the best time for her to share the story because uh, Linus has so many, you know, devout followers that think that, you know, his company can do no wrong. They would have just threatened this girl and they have before, right? Like she already got death threats from Linus fans for leaving the company because she she left the company. She wrote a whole Twitter thread that's like super long. Um, that you can read about her her stories about how she's been groped and how middle level managers would tell her that to resolve conflicts with the other coworkers you need to like talk to them yourself and maybe take them on a date or something, right? And it's like that's inappropriate. You shouldn't be telling people that. Um, maybe you should take them on a date and they'll <coughs> stop groping you. Yeah. yeah. What? So, um, the only time she was ever able to get time off was when she would self-harm. And it's just, it was, it was hard to read, right? Not her behavior. Uh, I want to clarify that, but it's gross the way they're treating her. Right. And so she left and she's in a better place now. Uh, but it took her a while to get to that better place. No. Uh, (laughs) so (laughs) she's in a better place and, um, it took her some time to get there. So like, I get not like spilling the beans right away right um but really this is if i was her and i was holding on to this information 
and I saw this going down, I would have done the same thing. Right. Oh, absolutely. Now that the tides turned against uh, Linus, it's uh, finally you're finally able to because what would have happened before is shoot, you know, the death threats are one thing, but people would have started doxing her and, yeah. you know, taking pictures of her house, you know, the the kind of things. And that nobody they, would be on her side. Nobody either. would be. On, no, it would have been the kind of deranged things that happened uh, during Gamergate, you know, whatever. Right. Whatever side you pick in Gamergate, it, it's relevant. That deranged shit happened all around. Right. You pick a side and the other side just tries to kill you. Like, <laughs> I get it. So, um, now, I, I understand that this is suspiciously timed, and, like, it should raise an eyebrow, right? But, uh, not only did other former employees corroborate her story, LTT uh, reached out to The Verge and uh, Philip DeFranco and a couple other outlets uh, saying, hey, we're taking that very seriously. We're going to hire an external, like, auditor, I forget the word that they used, to, like, come in and evaluate the situation, Right. Which yeah. is the right move, because why would we trust them to investigate themselves after everything we've learned, right? Like, we wouldn't believe them. So that's the right move. Good on them. But to make matters worse, uh, somebody uh, leaked audio from the meeting that they held after she quit. <laughs> so... Oh, no. Somebody was recording on their phone during this meeting. It was in person. Linus got up on the table. And he was like, hey, I need everybody's attention. We need to talk about HR, apparently. Uh, and then he, Linus didn't say anything wrong, right? He was just like, if you've got trouble, you know, you can talk to HR, you can, you can post anonymously or not anonymously. You can, you can also send praise, like basically just general HR bullshit, right? It's like, everybody remember what the tools are, who to contact, when to contact. Like it was one of those meetings, but like they started the meeting cracking jokes and they ended the meeting cracking jokes and making light of the girl. They didn't call her by name, but they knew it was about her, right? And they were just laughing. They laughed it off. And then uh, the head the head of writing guy, uh, his name's James. He's uh, featured in a lot of their videos. Um, he cracked a joke uh, at the end of the meeting, like, you're just going to stand there on that table? You're going to dance? Like, it's like, I thought that joke was hilarious. However, a lot of people took that the wrong way. And now that everyone's heard the audio and it's like, I mean, this, this was a sexual harass. This was yeah. a sexual harassment HR meeting. And now you're making jokes about table dancing. It's like, yeah. that wasn't the time for that. Now the joke was hilarious. And these two people are friends, right? So yes. it's like, I'm not going to be, I'm not mad about that. However, they probably really regret that audio leaking. Cause not only did former people corroborate the girl's story, you could just tell from the energy in the room during that recording that um, I, I think she was telling the truth, man. Like, they're fucked. I mean, so, they clearly did not care about her story or what was going on to her. The, you know, they were because uh, or they didn't know because like yeah. everyone forgets just how big this company is. It's like 100 and maybe 150 people. Right. But like. They're not individual contributors. There's a lot of managers, middle managers, managers of managers, right? That manage departments that have goals that accomplish things, right? So this girl was like several layers separated from Linus. And um, people forget that. Like me being a corpo, like I get it, right? I understand how hierarchies of management can obscure the people at the bottom from the people on the top, right? So like the people tormenting this girl might have been just one layer above or beside her 
right? Um, and the people that were in that recording in that room might not have even been involved in what happened to her, right? So it's like, I don't know. I'm interested to see how this plays out for them. Because, like, I do enjoy their videos, right? But, like, I I don't enjoy them that much. I'm not, like, a fanboy. I just think it's good entertainment. Right. right. Well, and that, that kind of is what it is, right? Like, entertainment. Yeah. Because, like, I like tech news, but, like, some, some channels put me to sleep. Uh, and I have to really care about the product they're reviewing to stay interested. Whereas Linus's videos are always interesting, even if it's about something I don't give a shit about. Which is why I like watching his channels, right? Um, that's a that's a talent. That's something that they offer that the others don't, right? That's why they're the top of the of the YouTube tech YouTuber food chain, right? Um, but yeah, they're in hot water. They've paused video production for an entire week. Uh, it's currently the seventeenth of August. It could get worse. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about that. Subscribe to MKBHD. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, oh. we've gone for two hours. That was longer than I thought. So yeah, uh, we missed the uh, sweet spot. We missed the sweet spot, but it's just two of us. My voice is going out. Maybe it was the beer. I don't know. I'm going on vacation next week, so I can't promise the episode will come out next week. Maybe it will because I have all this fucking time. But I'm also going on vacation, so I might just fucking not do it. <laughs> Hell, do you want the files? Do you want to try? <laughs> I mean, I could, but you know, you'd have to like, you'd have to like give them to me on a USB. It's audio. You're mm. like, what is this recording? Wave flack. Flack, yeah. Oh yeah, so it's big. <laughs> Fair. Uh, well, anyway, it's time for the outro. So this has been the Melanancy Podcast. This is August seventeenth. Just, just to be clear, you're probably not going to listen to this on August seventeenth because there's only an hour left of it, and I ain't editing this tonight. So, <laughs> could you edit it in an hour? <laughs> no. So hopefully, uh, victim will be available next time. Uh, uh, but we'll see more of him in time. Uh, you can follow me on Noster. My Noster address is Dylon at Melomancy.cafe. And I'm also on the Fediverse Activity Pub uh, at Dylon at shitposter.club. So, yeah. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>